Hello everybody, this is FPL Teacher bringing you the Game Weeks 1-8 to report card of Aston Villa. Leon Bailey owned at 7.3% aside. The top owned players actually include Medicash, Martinez and Philip Coutinho all with around a 1 out of 20 ownership. So Villa are always within our thoughts but usually you know we pick 1 out of the 3 and they are usually our fourth or fifth midfielder in context really this episode will talk on what they are trying to do and how we can use them in relevance of their upcoming games Aston Villa no sorry Steven Gerrard who brought about this unique 4-3-2-1 Christmas tree formation from Rangers now can officially be thrown out the window simply because having two playmakers behind a lone striker for a Villa side especially since one of those playmakers is Philippe Coutinho isn't a sustainable approach particularly against sides that are on the same strength as Villa. The issue with this particular variant of 4-3-3 is that number one the narrowness of the formation prompts the fullbacks forward and Villa, unfortunately, do not have a lot of aerial targets that can take advantage of the crossing ability of Lucas Dean. In previous seasons, Lucas Dean still did okay, but you will notice that Dean never got too many assists from that left-back position. So the onus really was on Maddie Cash on the other flank to profit, right, these late runs into the box. And so in this 22-23 season, Gerard's made some very minor tweaks from a standard 4-3-3 to a diamond 4-4-2 by shifting one of the attacking midfielders back, namely Jacob Ramsey, to be as close as possible to the three central midfielders. Now, this tweak was made because in the opening stages of the season, Bubaka Kamara was the only defensive midfielder in the center of the park and that meant that Villa were constantly overloaded by their opponents in game week 1 and 2. Now, Gerard basically went into a defensive shell and doubled down on that narrowness, putting in uh, John McGinn. He, he switched the positions of John McGinn and Jacob Ramsey and so Jacob Ramsey, a left footer, was on the right side and John McGinn, a right footer, was on the left side. So the midfielder became uh, the midfield became so narrow and the fullbacks were so conservative that Gerard basically put up a fortress in front of his box. And that's why Villa have struggled to score goals. Now with this restriction of space, it just meant that the back seven was extremely disconnected from the front three, or front two at times, with Leon Bailey, Danny Ings, Ollie Watkins, and Philippe Coutinho and Emiliano when they are fighting for like two to three spots up front, the rotation hasn't helped. Watkins is the only constant that does so much selfless running that he doesn't take shots himself. So really, we are looking at Leon Bailey doing his standard cut and shoot or flick and shoot thing. If not, Danny Ings would be profiting off crosses from wherever, sometimes through balls from Wendia. But these chances have all been sporadic so far.
for FPL purposes, if we see a side not score a lot of goals, there really is only one outball here and it's to either buy the central playmaker of the side or we get the guy who's usually within the big chances. Aston Villa just don't do big chances. Well, at least until the last two game weeks against Southampton and Man City where Gerard makes tweaks between the first and the second half around his number 10. So Gerard's latest manifestation of the 4-3-1-2 doesn't put two forwards narrow anymore. So Watkins and Ings slash Bailey would pull extremely wide and the number 10 would choose to either drift over to the left side or drift over to the right flank. So as it stands over the last two games against Man City and Southampton, Jacob Ramsey as the number 10 tended to drift over to the right side of the pitch because he worked better with Leon Bailey, apparently. While on the left, John McGinn would push up all the way into the box just to help Lucas Dean cycle the ball. It doesn't help that Ollie Watkins still isn't putting himself in useful positions to finish off crosses. But as it stands, the right flank is more effective than the left. So I want everybody to visualize that a typical Villa attack would start with their back four, they walk the ball into midfield, and with the decent passing range of John McGinn and Douglas Lewis, sometimes they would push the ball into the final third. And this is where Bailey and Ramsey would be slightly stuck because Ashley Young, standing in for the injured Medicash, just doesn't bomb forward. Now, they have a choice. Either they cross for Watkins and or Dean McGinn in the box, which is really bad, or they take shots themselves. And this is what Villa have been thriving on so far. People don't talk about Aston Villa at home compared to their away form enough. The thing about Villa is that at home, they've actually secured decent results with draws against Man City and wins against Everton and whatnot. Away from home, they've only scored two goals one of them directly from a corner. So really, Aston Villa's FPL interest only comes about in game week 13, where they begin a run with home to Brentford, away to Newcastle, and then at home to Man United right before the World Cup. So the reason I've brought up home form is because of the nature of these Villa wins. Villa employ a low-risk, low-reward approach to games, just like David Moyes' West Ham. And instead of relying on long balls, Villa work on their players individually beating their men in order to create space, chaos, time and whatnot. Villa's low-risk, low-reward approach to games meant that instead of using long balls like David Moyes' West Ham, they relied on individual brilliance for their attackers to beat their men and create time, space, and big chances. Because the Brentford game is so far away, the only name that is worth putting on the watch list is Ashley Young. Because the Brentford game is so far away, the first name and only name recommended for the watchlist is the adaptable and flexible Jacob Ramsey. His position on the pitch really de just determines how Gerard plans to attack going forward. And 
As it stands, 4 games is all it takes for Gerard to switch formation from this 4-4-2 back into his favourite 4-3-1-2 and who knows what will happen back in next up. Those who follow the podcast would know that Villa's defending has largely been individual-based rather than systemic. A lot of goals that Villa concede are based on overloads, and that's why Gerard has decided to deploy three defensive midfielders instead of coming up with a system for less midfielders to cover space. It's quite evident that the wingers don't defend, the forwards don't defend, so they can be outnumbered on the flanks, and attacking Villa really is the more interesting proposition moving forward here. Their next two games are away against Leeds and away against Forest. So, if you want to attack a narrow formation, the obvious move is to buy the wide players. Sinistera for Leeds, Jack Harrison for Leeds, all will present fantastic potential coming back from the international break. While for Forrest, it's definitely worth holding on to the likes of Nico Williams, Morgan Gibbs-White and even Renan Lodi if you feel like it, in order to attack Villa's narrow formation. In the off chance that Villa revert to a single defensive midfielder, we saw against Crystal Palace that a number 9 that drops deep is able to actually cause chaos within that number 10 zone. So the question comes down to who or what striker would actually drop deep to link up play with their defensive midfielders, with their central midfielders, in order to bomb forward. For Leeds, that man is Patrick Bamford, who coincidentally is also coming back from injury. While for Forrest, well, I don't think anybody's investing in Jesse Lingard anytime soon. But the Fulham game is where Andreas Pereira will potentially shine. Villa's position in our teams really only makes us think of the fifth midfielder spot because who's going to buy a Villa defender or a Villa goalkeeper, right? So all things considered, because of the price points of all their midfielders, definitely we're not considering Coutinho or Buendia, but with Ramsey and or Bailey in the picture, really the move right now, especially if you're on wildcard, is to pick a cheap midfielder from West Ham or Southampton or any other attractive 5 million guy and definitely consider Jacob Ramsey when the fixtures turn for the better starting with that home game against Brentford mentioned earlier. This is FPL teacher speaking who will touch on a really interesting team up next. <laughs> <laughs> 